and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Great job by Austin Sounds of the Week right there, brought to you by our friends at SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof called Pound 250 and say SNS Roofing. For your free bid, we're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here momentarily, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. He joins us each and every Friday. We'll talk to him about what's been a a wild week for the Jazz, Gordon. Um, They've played uh, three really good teams thus far, Um, lost 2-1-1, and actually won the one I expected them to lose. (laughs) Yeah. You know, by the way, having Howard Beck on, on every Friday doesn't that make the weeks just seem like they fly by? Oh yeah, they do. They do really fly by. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. Well, uh, the Jazz are an evolving bunch. I mean, we're we're finding out more and more about them as time goes by, and uh, that's as I said earlier in the show, and you've said it as well. That win last night. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't sure about that kind of resolve the Jazz had. Yeah. That was impressive all the way around. Well, let's get to Howard. Austin, hit the open. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Happy Friday, Howard. How are you? Hey, guys. Doing well. How are you? Hey, we're doing great. Um, this has been a really interesting week for the Jazz, where uh, they lose to Dallas on Monday. Tough overtime loss to Phoenix on Wednesday. And then Howard bounced back. I thought it was an improbable victory over Portland, and they beat them by 19 when their plane didn't touch down until 3 o'clock in the morning. What does it say, I guess, about a team when they can have a bounce-back win like that? No, it's a great sign, um, especially, you know, we are kind of in the dog days. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, by the way, like, you know, when, when are the dog days, all this, you know, the schedule's thrown off, the entire space-time continuum is thrown off. But this feels kind of like the dog days, like we are we are several weeks removed from All-Star, but we are still way away from the start of playoffs. There's a lot of games yet to play. And so this is, you know, a time for, for the, you know, teams might, you know, your interest, your focus might flag a little bit. And, you know, the back-to-back losses to Dallas and Phoenix, I, you know, I'm sure they were more alarming to, to, to Jazz fans than they might be to someone like me from a distance. But, you know, those are good teams. Those are road games. Those are, those are not terrible losses by any stretch. But you want to kind of steady yourself as quickly as possible. And Portland's a very good team with a lot of firepower. And, you know, holding them to, you know, 103 and, and, and you know, winning them pretty, you know, beating them pretty soundly. Um I think is is a good sign, and the other thing I, I noticed, I just I pulled up the schedule right before you know you guys called. Like they're actually going into a really nice, friendly stretch of the schedule here. Like we've known all along by the by the analytics that the Jazz had one of the easier schedules for the second half, but boy, it, it's really taking shape right ahead here. I mean, Kings, Wizards, Thunder, and then you know the Pacers are a good team, but they're not a powerhouse. You know, like a lot of the teams in the. East, they're hovering around 500. And then back-to-back games against the Lakers, who presumably still won't have their stars. 
And then the Rockets, who are, you know, obviously one of the worst in the league right now, and Minnesota's one of the worst in the league. They got them twice in a row, then Sacramento again. So um, they've got a chance here, you know, after that, that brush with O&G, or the, the Sun's going to catch them. They've got a chance to really put some distance between themselves and the pack, right, in, in the next, whatever it is, two weeks. Howard, I want to get your opinion on something, and forgive me if I ramble on here a bit, but I want to set it up. We've talked about the Jazz and their losses against the Mavs and the Suns. They did not shoot the ball well from three. That's something that they've done really well all season long. They uh, they were like 11 of 44 or something along those lines in both those games, like 12 and 44, something like that. And we thought... Is there a vulnerability with this team because of their reliance on that when they face a tough opponent or in a playoff setting, that sort of thing? And then last night we saw them against the, the, the Trailblazers, and they did again. They struggled from distance, and yet they worked hard. They rebounded. They did all these other things that were necessary for them to win. So I went back and I, I did some research on this. I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but I saw some data on the on uh, on how reliable three-point shooting is and i saw a study that someone did that that showed over the last about 10 years or so in the nba in the playoffs that the shooting percentages from three were down a little bit from the regular season but no more so than the two-point shooting was And, and so that really made me wonder that in a pressure situation Maybe three-point shots really aren't a vulnerability, no more so than anything else at the offensive end. I wanted to get your thought on that. My understanding of that is, is, is kind of what you just alluded to, which is that um, three-point shooting is, is not necessarily something you like, – you can, you can try to defend against it by scheming to, you know, you, we're going to stay with shooters, we're going to do X, Y, Z, but that um, – Three-point defense is not something that really exists as a consistent um, matter. That the analytics guys will tell you that 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 it, it's 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 more about um, you know the quality of the shooters who are taking those three-point shots, and uh, and sometimes the quality of of the shot, uh, the timing of the shot. There's a lot of other things that go into it other than whether or not it's it's well defended. But um, the, the what the Jazz have going for them is that they have a bunch of really good three-point shooters, period, individually. It's not just collectively, well, they take a lot of threes. Some teams that are vulnerable as three-point shooting teams, it's because they, you know, maybe they're, they're, uh, they've got a bunch of guys who are, you know, 36, 37% shooters. The Jazz have, like, guys who are, like, 38 and 40% shooters from three. And they've got multiple, multiple guys who can shoot it well. So it's not just about one or two guys carrying them. It's not about small margins for error. Like they, I, I, like I don't worry about them there. And also, they do have you know a great you know penetrating guard in, in Donovan Mitchell, and a couple other guys who can who can create some space too. So it's not solely just you know drive kick get the best three you can get. You know they've got a little bit more diversity to their game. So I'm not I, I wouldn't worry about that too much with them. But yeah, you'd always love to have the kind of outlet that, say, you know, the Lakers have with an Anthony Davis, um, you know, or that you know, the Nuggets have with Jokic, or um, it's it's you know. But you you can make up for it other ways. You can you can you can make up for it with with you know slashing guards and other ways of, of getting you know high percentage shots. So I, I, I don't I don't worry about the Jazz in particular. 
Jake's response to that was also that uh, with Rudy Gobert being utilized more and more often with these passes that the Jazz seem to be very aware of, they're getting him the ball, and he's dunking on people's heads. And so maybe maybe that's a little bit of an anecdote as well. But uh, I also I saw that in certain cases, you could look back. Remember, Howard, when Houston uh, lost to the Warriors and they, they went cold from three. I mean, so there are examples where teams do kind of crumble a little bit, but there are also examples where teams don't. And so I guess it all sort of averages out to being fairly efficient. Yeah. And as I say, you know, if, if you've got a bunch of guys who can shoot it, you know, I like the one thing, the, the vulnerability would be would be this, I think, that you still have to create open shots. Like most of those guys are not creating their, their own space to shoot those threes. So you still need a, you need a functioning offense where everybody's in sync with each other and and are and are getting to their spots and are getting um, good open shots. So it's still it still comes back to something we've discussed before, which is I think that uh, the concern I would have for the Jazz is what happens in the playoffs if and when. A an opponent devises its entire defense to try to just flummox Donovan Mitchell, because if you're if you're angling everything toward him and you're keeping him from penetrating much and you're holding him at bay, um, and it, it may stifle the rhythm for the rest of the offense and maybe it leads to to fewer open shots for everybody else. That that's the general concern I would have for them. Give us your take on the Dallas Mavericks as uh, they currently stand, Howard. We saw the Jazz struggle with them on Monday, but then they turn around and lose to Houston, I believe, and then beat Milwaukee. Uh, how seriously should we be taking the Mavs? Uh, you know, I didn't think that the Mavericks were ready to take that big next step anyway. You know, they had a, a, a breakthrough season last year, and – you know, despite some injuries and despite what I thought was not, you know, not the strongest supporting cast. Um, and so I think expectations got raised a little too high. You know, Luca can't just make keep making quantum leaps forward. And maybe he can, but um, they, they just need more talent around him. That's the bottom line. There's just not a ton there. They've got good players. And Rick Carlisle gets the best out of his guys year in, year out. But you never looked at that roster and thought, oh, wow, this, this team's stacked. Um, they don't have that great a depth. They don't, and you know, and Porzingis, like he's had a couple of really strong games the last couple of nights, uh, but I, you don't see that every night from him. You know, it, it, it kind of waxes and wanes, and he's had some injury issues, and so um, they're they're a good team. They're and they're a team that because of Luca, you never know. Maybe they could pull off a first round upset, but they're still a, a player away, I think, from being you know truly in the mix at the top of the West. Man, when I when I look at that Western Conference, Howard, I I can't recall a time when I thought maybe the top five teams in that conference could 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 win the conference. And when I look at it now, you have the Jazz with the best record in basketball. The Suns have been tough. The Clippers are there, whether you believe in them or not. The Nuggets are coming on. And then the Lakers, once they get healthy, that's five teams right now that I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams were in at least the conference finals. I agree, and I actually wouldn't be shocked if any of those five won it. And and like I, if I were ranking them, right? Obviously, you know the Lakers are the ones you have the highest expectation for because of the defending champs. They've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, you know, however you want to order it after that. Uh, 
the team that would be most surprising of those five would be Phoenix, but only because of how far they've come in such a short period of time. Based on their play, the results, the talent level, um, what looks like, I think, really good chemistry, just and, and their, their overall versatility. Like, I think the Suns are, are absolutely legit. So I would not be surprised in the abstract if they somehow won the conference. The only thing that would be surprising is, as I say, like, this is a team that hasn't even been in the playoffs in 10 years. And so it's, you know, you don't expect any team to go from lottery to Western Conference champion in one year. Um, but their their play, their consistency would suggest that we should not be surprised any more so by them than, than the others you mentioned. And I agree. Uh, any of those five could win it. They're all legit and would not take some great fluke. It's, it's, they all have the talent to do it. Howard, Sacramento will be here on Saturday, and I know we don't ask you very many Kings questions, and I guess maybe that's the point. Is, is this franchise ever going to get off the mat? <laughs> it's funny because there are uh, three teams with very long uh, playoff droughts right now. Um, Sacramento's, which I think goes back to 2006, the Suns 2010, and the Knicks 2013, I think. Um, the Suns are clearly going to end their drought, and the Knicks might. We'll see. They've been slipping a little bit lately. The Kings, it would seem, are not going to end their drought um, this season. But they've got another new front office. Uh, Monty McNair is, is the GM, and he was you know, one of Daryl Morey's top guys in Houston for a long time. Uh, Wes Wilcox, who's a, a veteran of, of front offices in Atlanta and Cleveland, is uh, you know one of the guys that Monty brought in with him. Those are smart guys, and they haven't made dramatic moves yet. But, you know, it often takes some time when you get in and a team is capped out and you're trying to sort through and evaluate guys up close. So I think give them some time. Look, De'Aaron Fox is really talented. Buddy Heald, we know, is a great shooter. And the Kings made a heck of a pick in Tyrese Halliburton, who is going to end up on a lot of Rookie of the Year ballots. Not at the top spot, but he's going to end up with a lot of second and third place votes. And so they've got some promising young pieces. They just have to kind of sort out, figure out what the right building, uh, you know, plan is around those guys. So um, I hate to say we should give them some time. The Kings have had a lot of time, but they've gone through a lot of different uh, front offices and coaches. And it's, you know, this new front office needs some time. I asked you about the Western Conference, uh, Howard. What about the East? How many of those teams could end up winning that conference in the playoffs. Uh, I imagine maybe the the Nets and the Sixers and the Bucks. It doesn't go any further than that, does it? It really looks like it's a you know one one three team tier and then a drop off to just like this sea of mediocrity. You know the Hornets are fourth place at two games over five hundred, and then you know by the time you get to the Knicks at eighth place, they're only two games under five hundred. So like it's a really just a swath of teams that are all hovering around 500 and then a couple other teams that, you know, that, that could still get there with, you know, Indiana and Chicago. Um, I think it is a three team race, Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, but the Miami heat should not be taken or shouldn't, should not be ruled out of this. Like you, we can't ignore them and they've had a weird season and it's been a little up and down, but, and then now they've got, you know, all the people who they picked up at the trade deadline now has got a knee issue and he's not, going to be traveling with them on this upcoming road trip. Um, I still think that the Heat, they might just be that proverbial team no one wants to face. Like, 
just like last year, which I think were they sixth last year and they end up in the finals, like they could do that again potentially. They're tough. They're tough-minded. Jimmy Butler, Bama Bio, and the rest of that group play great defense. Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league. They've got shooting. The shooting has been a little bit flimsy this year, but, I, I mean, I just, I'm not going to rule them out. They don't quite have the, the profile of those, those other three teams, but I do think they are capable of making a run again. So I'm going to say it's three and a half to four teams. And the Celtics, no? I was stubbornly still believing in them up until about a you know three four weeks ago, but they just they just can't quite pull it together. I don't know what exactly is amiss there. I don't I don't think it's necessarily anything you know crazy like chemistry or they don't like each other. Thing I, I just think that there's just not quite enough talent there. Um, it's subtle because they didn't lose it all at once, but you know Gordon Hayward was a really important piece for them, and when he left, you know they they replaced him with a trade exception. <laughs> um, and then they eventually, you know, they got Evan Fournier at the deadline, which is fine. But, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the trade-off of Kyrie for Kemba Walker and Kemba's been hurt. Like, they just haven't – they just haven't been able to replenish. And so there's, there's, um, there's, there's just a deficit of talent there when you, when you go from them to the teams that are clearly above them. Hey, that trade exception was more than the Jazz got for Gordon Hayward. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, just throwing that out there. That's all. Uh, fair point. <laughs> Howard, thank you very much. As always, enjoy the weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you then. Thank you, Howard. Howard Beck, our good friend, senior NBA writer from Sports Illustrated, and of course, he does a, a podcast with our friend Chris Mannix. Uh, those two are great together in podcast form. If you haven't had a chance to catch it, I would recommend you do so. Always got to bring that up, don't you, about the Gordon Hayward thing? Well, isn't it telling? You know, he leaves Boston, didn't have the experience he was hoping for, but thinks, you know what, I'll, I'll do you a solid. We'll do a little tra- sign and trade trade exception here, and, <laughs> and uh, won't leave you high and dry. But yet, the first time he left a franchise, Gordon, mm-hmm. didn't uh, didn't uh, give his former team the luxury, even though it could have been financially beneficial for him. He did not. You mean when the Buick drove out the garage? Here? When it did, yeah. It uh, it did not look back, so to speak. All right. Well. He's got a cool haircut, that. though. Well, and they turned that trade exception into, what's his name, right? Uh, oh, why am I going blank? Evan Fournier. So that's a fine player. Unrestricted free agent Rudy Gobert's best friend. Oh, Yeah. Are they best buds? Best in the world. Wait, he's the unrestricted free agent. Yeah, not Rudy. <laughs> Fournier. You said unrestricted free agent Rudy Gobert's best friend. Sorry. I was just, yeah. you know. I, I don't Un- use punctuation. Unrestricted free agent, comma, yes. Rudy Gobert's best friend. Yes, that's, okay. that's better now, See, said. there's a difference between a comma and a period. You know, I mean, it can make all the difference in the world. It can. All right, stay tuned. We'll have uh, Brian Taylor coming up next. We'll get an update on what's going on in Augusta. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow-mo Joe. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. PK. 
So when you get teed up, does that mean you got to be quiet the rest of the game? <laughs> Everyone kept saying, leave him alone, leave him alone, you've already got one. I was like, I'm not leaving him alone because they obviously missed that and it really annoyed me at that time. The best part is that I said to him, I can't wait till you watch it at halftime and you have to come back and tell me that you were wrong. And then he came out at halftime and was like, yeah, my bad, I completely missed that. It cost me 2500 bucks or whatever it costs for a technical foul these days, but I was frustrated. I'd missed all my shots before that. I was like, I'm about to get a nice easy layup on Ennis. And then he fouled me and cost me 2500 Good time. <laughs> so I'll take my 2500 and move on. Okay. I got my money's worth, though. I definitely got my money's worth. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. And the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This You Into Golf Masters update with Brian Taylor is brought to you by Mountain Land Supply, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Now, here's Real Golf Radio's Brian Taylor. All right, let's talk a little golf. Out to the zone phone we go. You hear him on Real Golf Radio every Saturday morning. And, of course, he and Bob jump on and give us updates uh, during the majors. He is Brian Taylor with us on the big show. What's up, BT? Hey, here we go, huh? Ready for the weekend at the Masters. This has been an exciting Friday. A lot of movement and uh, certain no one running away with this thing. Justin Rose shooting even par brought everybody back into it. And um, we're, we're shaping up for some fun times. BT, uh, our guy Tony Finau seems to be positioning himself real nicely for that weekend. Does he have what it takes to win this darn tournament? You know, I, I'd like to think so, right? I mean, I think all of us are Tony fans, and, you know, you just can't find a nicer guy out there, and so we'd all wish him the very best. But, you know, it, it's something he's going to have to break through. It's been five years since he's won on the PGA Tour, and it's the only time he's won on the PGA Tour. He's had a ton of success here at the Masters, relatively speaking. I mean, a, a top ten and a top five in his two April Masters. I'm just forgetting the November thing because clearly, as you can see, it's a, that was a different – a different deal altogether not to discount what dj did he won the tournament but but just from comparing you know masters going forward i think he maybe throw the november stats out there so tony with a top 10 and a top five played in that final group with tiger you know great experience i mean tony's playing some decent golf this year but he's obviously elevated his game here at augusta and you know he's putting a lot of people get on him about his putting and his putt on the 36th hole was not good. His, he had a little four-footer for par, and he left it a roll short. It was really not a very good effort at all. And, and um, you know, that, that made the weekend taste a little worse. But, you know, still, he's tied for the low round uh, of the day and has put himself in position at four under par, just three back. And so, you know, I, I think he's, he definitely has what it takes. Um, he, he's put himself right where he needs to be. And when you look at the fact that 82% of the ch- – Masters champions over the last 50 years have been within four shots of the lead at the halfway point. I mean, he's right where he needs to be, and and uh, I I wouldn't bet against him. BT, what do they expect the conditions to be over the weekend? Are they going to be uh, uh, such that we can see some guys go out there and score? 
I think so. They're expecting a little bit of rain. They thought it was going to come today, and I think that's why they were so aggressive with the greens earlier in the week, expecting a half to an inch of rain today. That's pushed off to tomorrow, and it's lessened significantly. I think it's maybe down to a quarter of an inch at the most, and uh, and only a 60% chance of that. So, you know, a little bit of rain and, and some clouds around will keep the moisture, you know, in the golf course. And as you saw today, I mean, it's, it's still firm, but it wasn't the fiery, you know, difficult golf course that it was on Thursday. And that's why you see more uh, red numbers than what you saw in round number one. So uh, what, what Justin Rose did in the first round was unconscious. I mean, the guy was, you talk about getting in the zone in sports. He just got into one of those zones with the eagle at eight, and he rode it all the way through the back nine. And, you know, when you go nine under through your final 11 holes around that place on a day like that in conditions like that, that's, that's something impressive. But, you know, he has to – you don't give out a green jacket for one round, and he came back with 72. He's still the leader, but obviously it's much more of a tournament. So I do think that the guys can go out there, you know, again, even making the cut. I just mentioned the – historical stats that suggest you need to be within four shots of the lead, but there's still an opportunity for guys, you know, around even par to get out early, post a number and, and see what the, the rest of this field can do handling the pressure. Speaking of some of those names on that leaderboard, Jordan Spieth is Rainier and uh, Justin Thomas, some others. Is it good for golf if Jordan Spieth wins this thing? I, I think it's really good for golf. He, he's a super popular um, player out there on the PGA Tour, I would say he's right up there with you know just underneath a uh, Tiger and Phil in popularity on the PGA Tour. The guy is just something that is really fun to watch about Jordan Spieth. I don't know that it's if it's that he talks so much to his caddy, he talks to his golf ball, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He he seems to just be kind of one of those aw shucks kind of kind of guys, you know. Um, he's frequently heard the mics pick him up saying darn and shoot and you know that kind of stuff where you know that's not exactly what i hear around the club when i'm out playing golf so uh it's i think there's just something there's something about jordan that's just real charismatic and fun to watch and his swings he's got that left elbow chicken wing follow through that's a little unorthodox and and yet he just man boy can he fill it up when he gets it going on the greens and uh yeah we we all remember him dumping it in the water a couple of times a few years ago when it looked like he was just going to walk away with a second green jacket and Man, that stuff's hard to watch, and um, you know I think everybody would would love to see him bounce back. And the fact that he bounced, you know, got a win again, got that monkey off his back uh, last week in Texas, I think was huge. And he's got a lot of confidence. So I do. Weren't think the ratings? Good for golf. Weren't the ratings really high on that tournament relative to what they've been in the past? I thought I read that, and I you know, assumed it was because of speed. I would guess so too. I actually didn't look at the ratings for last week, so you're one up in me there, but. Um, I would suspect that when anytime Spieth has, especially that's a big story. The last couple of years, it's been the story of the year would be can Spieth come back and win again, because it's it's remarkable that he was at such a level that he would then. I mean, he was he was a couple of strokes away from winning the 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 Grand Slam in a single year. You know, we haven't seen that since Tiger two thousand. So, uh, you know, it was he. That's how good he was. That's how dominating he was. And then for him to fall off and not win for a few years was, was really surprising. So it's definitely it's definitely one of the stories of the year that speaks back. BT, we talked so much about who's playing well and who has a chance. Let's go the other way. Who really melted down out there? <laughs> I mean, R- Rory McIlroy is right there at the top. I mean, it's hard to watch. It is hard to watch. I mean, Rory is – I'm a fan of Rory McIlroy. He's another one of those guys that's just – 
really well-spoken. He's honest about what's going on, maybe to a fault. And a few weeks ago, he let us in on his little project that when he watched, you know, um, Bryson do what he did at the uh, Wingfoot in the U.S. Open, he figured, look, if this is the way they're going to set golf courses up in the future, maybe I need to chase this speed thing. And so he started doing some speed training, trying to do what Bryson was doing, and he admitted it let him down a bad rabbit hole. And he has he's struggled with his with his with his swing ever since, which is just a remarkable thing when you consider that Rory's one of the best drivers of the ball that we've seen in the modern game. So um, for him to go down there and and now to see him, you know, again with an opportunity for the seventh time to complete the career Grand Slam by winning a green jacket, he's already got the other three majors, you know, and he's six over par as we speak with one to play. Uh, I mean, you know, how he shanked one on ten today in the bushes. I mean, he just it's. It's just bizarre. Um, that's another one that's kind of a story in the making. It's been a while since he's won. So uh, th- that one jumps squarely to the top uh, of the list of guys that just didn't play well. But there's, he's not alone. There's, there's several guys that people were – I mean, Cantlay's a guy that's eight over par uh, and missing the cut. The guys thought would play well. Um, let's see. Westwood was a guy a lot of people talked about. Brooks, understandably, he's five over. I mean, he just had knee surgery three weeks ago. Probably shouldn't have been here. Um, Kevin Kisner is a guy that people like that didn't play well. Dustin Johnson, you know, he's four over now as the defending champ. Sergio Garcia has had a pretty good year. Max Homa beat Tony Finau in L.A. Matt Kuchar's had a good year. These guys are all on the wrong side of the cut line. So it's uh, it's definitely um, it's this, the Augusta's won in a few battles this week so far. BT, you mentioned DeChambeau. I, I do. How do the other golfers on tour feel about those that don't have a Charles Atlas kind of body? How, how do they feel about him? Do they root against him? Does that bother them because they feel like that's outside the, you know, the traditional kind of golfing norm? First of all, I would love to know how many current players on the PGA Tour would know who Charles Atlas is. That would be my first question. Okay. All right. Uh, who's somebody? Uh, who? 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 I, I don't know. Arnold Schwarzenegger? I don't know. There you go. He's much younger. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Um, no, I'm teasing you. I, I figure that's Jake's job. I don't need to chime in. Sorry about that, yeah, Jake. Exactly. I'm taking over Thank your role. But, oh, good, buddy. Yeah, sir. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know what? I don't think they're I, – I honestly don't think anyone's jealous of the fact that he has pu- pumped himself up. I think pe- most people are intrigued. At what he is doing, I think people are. I think players are impressed at the numbers he's getting. I don't think. I think they could care less what his body looks like, but they're impressed with the the swing speeds and the ball speeds that he's creating. That that's the stuff that that you know professional golfers and, and golfers alike uh, enthusiasts. We kind of geek out on the on some of those statistics. So I, I think that maybe maybe they're jealous of the swing speed, the club speed, and the ball speed. But I don't know that they're necessarily jealous of that. I, I mean, all those guys could go out there and. and and take, you know, in 10,000 calories a day and, and do the training if they wanted to. I'm not convinced, and I, I think that's – but there's a lot of players out there. Most of them aren't convinced that this experiment is necessarily the future of golf. It's what he's chosen to do. It's become his niche. It obviously worked to win a U.S. Open at famed Wingfoot. I don't know necessarily that Bryson Ball works at Augusta, although, you know, hats off for five under today, um, making the cut. I thought he'd be down the road. So, I, but but as far as the rest of the players, I think more, more people are intrigued than jealous. BT, give us a quick tease. What's coming up on the show tomorrow morning? Yeah, so we're uh, expected to catch up with Boyd Summerhays. Uh, of course, he's been working with Tony Finau and get a little insight on walking with Tony these last two days, some of the things they're working on, what's working, a little, little inside the ropes, cor- course condition type stuff. 
Uh, our good friend Jeff Babineau, who's a veteran golf writer, is writing for the Augusta Chronicle this week. Um, we'll uh, check in with him. And then, uh, of course, America's favorite caddy. It'll be fun, and we'll see what Bob thinks about these. Uh, Bob's got a great mind, especially around the Masters, and obviously his dad winning there. He's been uh, to this event for a long time. And so it'll be fun to just break it down and, and get you all ready for uh, the weekend at the Masters. It's something else. All right, BT. One, we'll one, be... one, one last thing from me, BT. Sorry, Jake. But I, I one other thing on Tony Finau, and this is a well-known story about him, but I don't know how anybody can't root for a guy. Not only is he a super nice guy, and you know, you probably know him really well, but anybody who with his brother set up a mattress in his garage to hit golf balls into because they didn't have enough money necessarily to go out to the driving range, how can you not root for that kid? It's a great story, you know, and, and yeah, they, they've chronicled that a couple of times on the Golf Channel, and, you know, it's it's right there in Rose Park, you know. It's it's awesome uh, what he has uh, created. Talk about a self-made guy, you know. I mean, he's he's put the work in, and it's a great story. And should he go on to win the Masters, it'll be one of those stories. And uh, uh, certainly certainly cool, and, and uh, you know, Tiger got him into golf when he won the Masters in 97. Um, you know, there's been a lot yeah, this week, a lot of uh, special attention paid to Lee Elder, was the first black player to uh, break the color barrier at Augusta. And he was honored in the first tea ceremony. And, you know, Tony's, Tony's been a little bit of a recipient of all of that and inspired by all of that. So should he go on to win, um, it would be awesome. And I, from, from so many different angles. And, and then to have two players from Utah uh, as Masters champions uh, to joining Mike Weir would be a great story as well. So, yeah, we'll be rooting for him for sure. And, by the way, uh, i got to just throw this in. Since it's Friday and we're not going to be talking to you again, Keep the ping I twos, man. Don't get rid of those ping I twos, Gordon. <laughs> uh, really? Is that is that your advice? I, uh, yeah, those I, things are classic. Uh, I, 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 told, right. I, I told I uh, told um, Austin that you need to you need to probably look at a golf shirt before you buy a new set of clubs. That would be my recommendation. Try a golf <laughs> shirt. Okay. Thanks for the tip. I appreciate it. I love you, Gordon, but I swear yeah. I'm never going to get over the media day we went to at Willow Creek when you came in in the 7-Up t-shirt. That was that was my all-time favorite. So. Well, it was, uh, it was Oscar the Grouch. But, you know, oh, Oscar was, the Grouch. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I knew it was green. Yeah, that, that got me booted <laughs> out of there. So. <laughs> Thanks, BT. <laughs> hey. Oh, you're great. Let's go play golf, the three of us, sometime. Yeah, let's right. do it. You're like on, idea. man. Thanks, teach us a thing or two. Thanks, yeah. BT. Appreciate it. Good to be with you guys. See ya. That's Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. Coming up next, we'll have a quick not sports report because Justin Zanuck joins us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Sport, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Justin Zanuck, Jazz General Manager, will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But until then, Gordon, where are we going today? I got two quick ones for you today. The first one is just for you, Jake, because I know your wife is expecting and you're expecting a... Uh, a new baby to the family uh, in relative short time. A woman, I don't even know where she's from, but she gave birth to a 14.6-pound baby. It's big. That's not a baby. That's a toddler. 
they had the the, the people in the uh, in the delivery, the nurses, and whatnot. They had to go up to pediatrics to get us a, a, a three year old, uh, you know, a big diaper because the kid was so big, sixty centimeters long, fourteen point six pounds. Oof. I mean, uh, they're gonna have to dress that kid in one year old clothes. Did it? Uh, did it come out smoking a cigar like that baby in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> 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 it could have. Nice call there. Thank you. Uh, second story here. So you got that to look forward to. I don't know if we're going to have a 14.6 pounder, but uh, Let's hope not. anyway. Uh, I got good news for you guys, both of you. Skinny jeans are on their way out. According to the CEO of Levi Strauss and Company, consumers now are opting for loose fitting denim over the skinny stuff. Apparently, skinny jeans came into style about 10 years ago, and they've lasted for a decade now. And the the CEO of, of Levi Strauss says, quote, I don't think skinny jeans are ever going to go away completely. But clearly right now, we are seeing a very strong demand for the looser fits, and that's both for men and for women. Women apparently are opting for the mom jeans, and the guys are opting for baggier, baggier jeans. Hey, this is good news. I didn't ever want to wear skinny jeans, and I like jeans. But I got kind of tired of being out of style by not having them. You know, because style is very important to us here. Don't but say this, us. This, I'm kidding. The, 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 this uh, move is coming from younger people. They're the ones that are opting for the more comfortable fit. I say... I'm all for it. I mean, Austin, that's good news, isn't it? Uh, it's good news for the people uh, at the Levi Strauss company. Company To sell more jeans. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I never change uh, any sort of style that I wear. <laughs> it's going to come back. It, uh, it doesn't. It truly doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm tight jean guy. I Not never, skinny jean, but I'm tight jean guy. That... Yeah, I never went down that road. I've been wearing the same fit of jeans pretty much my entire life. I'll never forget when I went into a store in Las Vegas with my wife looking for a new pair of jeans, and the guy behind the counter was one of these real shishi kind of, you know, stylist, style-oriented people. He looked at what I was wearing. I said, I want a new pair of jeans. He said, well, why don't we get you out of those uh, those dad jeans you're wearing and find something that, you know, is up to date. I think he said so I bought a couple. jeans, by the way. Oh, did he? Something like that. I didn't take it as a compliment. So I bought a couple pair. Oh, I've never worn them. What a sucker. Uh, you know what that exactly. salesman's job is? Sell you jeans. And you know what he didn't have there? <laughs> jeans you were going to buy unless he insulted Maybe you he first did. and made you feel no. inferior. <laughs> and you swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. Well, I have worn them a few times. I got good compliments from them. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for the... I'm all for the baggy, saggy look, man. Let's go for the bigger jeans, man. I'm, a, I'm there. You know what always made me laugh about, uh, as I've gotten older and seen certain friends do this sort of thing that try to stay hip and the, the, the young look and stuff, I, I can't help <laughs> but thinking, like, you know why younger people are dressing differently than you? Because <laughs> you are wearing what you are wearing. <laughs> they want to so be different. They don't man. want to be, you know what I mean? You're like, you're like, 
uh, it's like tattoos used to be this big time anti-establishment thing and then it becomes mainstream. So doesn't it mm. like now? You're, anyway, do you, do you get what I'm getting resort, out here? Like you see like somebody if it becomes like, cool, then it's no longer like, cool. You're not cool anymore. You know, you might as well let it go because people are actually changing their style because you wear what yeah. you wear. Uh -huh. Like the young people now are going away from skinny jeans, Gordon, because you bought a couple of pair. That's why they no, all got off I, Facebook I, I, four I, years I, ago. Yes, no, exactly. I didn't. I never wore the. I never bought skinny jeans. They were just a little more style. I'm not. You know? I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just saying, like, when the older generation, I'm putting myself in here too, jumps on to a trend, the young people are like, okay, that trend's <laughs> over. We're out of here. Yeah, that like <laughs> that's no longer. You know, you see somebody in their mid fifties strolling down in skinny jeans. Some eighteen year old somewhere is like, okay, I need myself some baggy pants. <laughs> anything different than what that guy's wearing. All right, Justin Zanuck joins the show. Coming up next, stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.